Hey Worms, I'm Blythe, and this week I love Dick, but only this week. general points that I would like to discuss here. Number one, I think that the author, well, she started as a filmmaker, but the artist is searching for a voice as a female artist and exploring the intentions of past female artists versus the interpretations by largely male critics. This exploration leads to, number two, her obsession with mysterious, self-taught art critic Dick, which accomplishes the use of the male body as a muse, and number three, who gets a voice and why in art. So I think that in the book, we we find out that Chris feels that because her work in film isn't taking off, that her artistic career is taking a back seat immediately to her husband's, but generally to voices that are considered to be more important according to, I suppose, the patriarchy, because it's the male critical voices that end up rising to the top as far as volume, importance, resonance, and relevance, and female art is often reduced to being just that, female art, instead of just being considered art. In the letter, she details the works and careers of several female artists, what what their intent was, and how they ended up, um, meaning with a relevant uh, message, with a relevant voice or message, or without one. I think that this is interesting because this entire book serves as her platform to highlight and honor those women who she finds important and influential. And not only that, Silver, her husband, is overly supportive in giving her a combination of the space, criticism, and encouragement she needs to pull off this project, even if that means falling in love with another man in the process. I'm not saying that to say that she's unappreciative of being able to use these two men to pull off her biggest project yet, but I just think that that's a part of the the irony that's found in this novel and I guess in her career and her life as a whole. Now, as far as her obsession with Dick, I think that he is just used as a muse, uh, a vice she needed in order to sort of break away from Silvera's shadow and focus on her work. I don't think that she made this obsession up. I think that it really it really was, but it was just something in her life that she needed as a distraction. And it really drew this sort of passion out of her. Because, I mean, the title is provocative and simplistic, and it reduces him to sex. And soon he just becomes a place to address her thoughts. I mean, is she even really, if you read these letters, is she even really talking to him anymore? She is, but she's going on a, I mean, she's just going on a whole critical theory, history reference. You know, it's not about, it's not about him. And then, you know, pretty soon he just becomes D.D., But that doesn't explain why she still wants him to reply or why she still goes and sleeps with him. 
I think the reason for that is that although she didn't make up the way that she feels in her mind, a lot of the things that she perceives, a lot of the way that she perceives him is made up in her mind because he's largely a mystery. He doesn't reply that much, you know, so she has all this space to sort of create this dialogue about him. So she goes off of the initial feeling and that, and because she's writing these letters to him, it sort of kind of like keeps it up and she's able to go off of that and that makes her still able to sort of direct this energy toward him. So she does still want to sleep with him. She does still want to hear back from him, even though it's not really about him. I did not expect her to leave Silver. <laughs> that was a shock for me. Uh, I Because at first, I think me and Silver both thought for a minute that it, this was just going to be a marriage booster for them. You know, they were, their sex life was coming together again, it seemed, or they were having, you know, just sort of a renewed appreciation for one another through this project, through this man, you know. But then she just went full, what do you, how do you call it? I don't know, she just went fully, she just, she left him. She's like, look, I need to finish this. I need to do this project, and I don't know what's going to happen, babe. I think that Silver really suffers throughout this project but I think that he really wants to support her and that's what I was saying in the beginning she thinks that her career has taken a back seat to this man but he really does come through uh but this is I think that this is a very <laughs> confusing time in their relationship for him but I I envy the fact that they really do get to reach peak intimacy in my opinion um, on page 38, there's an excerpt that I like. Peak intimacy. Because Chris is a 90-word-per-minute typist, she and Silver maintain eye contact while he talks. Silver's never been so prolific. After plodding along at a rate of about five pages a week on modernism and the Holocaust, he's exhilarated by how fast the words occur. They take turns giving dictation. Everything is hilarious. Power radiates from their mouths and fingertips, and the world stands still. I honestly long for that. I really do. They're able to connect so intensely over this shared passion. Just to be able to do a project with another person where you are both just connected through your art. I'm about to start making boys do art for me 2018. Do art for me 2018. If you're a painter, paint me like one of your French women. If you're a chef, serve me up. If you're a software programmer, build me an app. I don't care. Anyway, finally, and probably most importantly, and I don't think it's a coincidence that this goes unanswered, who gets a voice in art and why? I mean, the question is explored, but, you know, that's just sort of the overhanging question of the work. Um, in the end, I was surprised to see that Dick replied, and I'm referring to the title, Dick Writes Back. I'm not even... You know, before I even read that segment of the book, I I looked at it and I'm like, oh, Dick writes back? And then we find out that in the end, he doesn't actually reply. He sends the message, I'm no longer entertaining any of this. Literally leave me alone. I think I had the same reaction that she had, though. It's like, I saw Dick writes back and I got kind of excited. She 
uh, got the the FedEx, you know, one to her and one to Chris, and she got kind of excited. And then she, <laughs> and then she opened, or not, sorry, one to her and one to Silver. And then she opened it, she opened Silver's first and read it, and she opened hers, and it was kind of a slap in the face, like kind of shocked, a slap in the face, and then like a come down, just realizing that, that that was actually probably a fair reaction from him. And the project was done, and she she moved forward, forward with her other work. The, in general, I think that it was difficult for me to get through this because I did not, I was not familiar with 97% of the artists. So I didn't, I never knew who she was referencing. I wasn't about to take the time to look up all of these people. Also, the letters were just super long. There was so many details. Like, we had dinner today, and a friend chatted me up, and her husband's having dinner with somebody else. And it was just a lot. You know, the, it was hard. I just didn't, I didn't care that much. But once I, once I made it to the end, I realized that if you would have just skipped through the letters, you wouldn't really understand the depth of her thinking, how strong her opinion was about these other female artists, about these other women who were being overlooked, about how she felt overlooked. And in the end, I think I think that it was just necessary. All, all It was just necessary for the letters to be as complex as they were. It was necessary for them to be as one-sided as they were. That was really the only way that the that they could have expressed the depth of passion that she felt about uh, what she what her lifestyle as an artist, her voice as an artist. I haven't really read anything like this, so I can't really give a whole bunch of recommendations. I guess the closest thing that I've read like this is a King Kong Theory by Virginia Spencer. Housekeeping things. I gave you guys the wrong email address last week. It's bookclubpod <laughs> at gmail.com. Sorry if you emailed that other email. Actually, sorry to the recipient of that other email address. And the Instagram is instagram.com slash bookclubpod. We are live on iTunes now, so that's fun. Uh, other things, so I finished the autobiography of Gucci Mane, just in case anybody wants to know about that. I enjoyed it. Any book about anybody making it out of the hood is a book that I want to read for obvious reasons. I did find it a little bit, I thought that his, I thought that his story was interesting, but I did find it a little bit redundant. It was basically like, I drank some lean and I made some hits and then I went back to jail and then I drank some more lean and I made some more hits and then I forgot about them. But that being said, it was very interesting. I just like personal accounts in general so I think that I would have liked it anyway and also I'm working my way through Nikki Six's The Heroine Diaries which parallels sort of it's kind of the same thing it's like I <laughs> I wrote some hits I did some heroin you know and then I got paranoid and I stayed in the closet and then I did some more heroin and I wrote some more hits essentially so Rockstar lifestyle might don't make it. Live life high every day, click wasted. You know, I'm wasted, I'm wasted. That, though, reading those two books has made me think. I've been thinking about reading about artists lately. I, I've been thinking about Stephen Sondheim a lot. I really love his work. 
Uh, I couldn't find a whole bunch of books about him, though. I feel like there should be some by now, but he's still alive, so... And I don't mean to say that in a drag way. It's just that people don't appreciate you until you're dead. People like him, so... I just think that somebody should write this man a book now if they haven't. I haven't found it. If anybody knows the information about it, send it on over. But I would love to read about him and his complete works. I feel like... (laughs) I feel like in my head... I always have, like, a Stephen Sondheim song, <laughs> a, a Stephen Sondheim Cardi B mashup playing in my head. Now she say she gonna do something familiar. Let's find out and see, am I losing my mind? I would not be surprised if I found out that I have multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, or something along those lines. But that's for later. Next week on my nightstand, I was really excited to do like a February black romance month, I guess. But I, I I'm over it, honestly. So I'm just gonna do this, these two, these two romances, and then I'll, I'm probably gonna move on to something else. I mean, maybe I'll get, you know, inspired. But so anyway, Heat Seekers by Zane. And Fifty Shades of of Grey by E.L. James. Some sort of mashup between the two. And thanks so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys next time. Just you and me. But not in the habit. I let him get what he want. He bought me Yves Saint Laurent.